Welcome back to At The Root with your host, Greg Kuiper. That would be me. I am a licensed psychotherapist and a holistic life coach, and I love to talk about emotional connection and awareness. My personal and professional experience, coupled with my training, has brought me to a knowing that we cannot, none of us, exist in our daily relationships without connecting with others emotionally. And we need to be able to connect with ourselves emotionally first to give our relationships any kind of a chance to become longer term. I'm on my own this week, as my faithful sidekick Stacy Heller will not be with us, so we're going to see how I do solo. Before I get started, I would invite you to call in and participate if you are so inclined. I will do my best to get you on the air if you have a question. 425 425- 373-5527. That's 425-373-5527. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about relationships, particularly the let's live our lives together relationships, marriage perhaps, sharing each other with the intent of growing old together. Last week, we started the discussion of the slow erosion of many of these relationships. Maybe you're in one of those now. You and your partner find yourselves mired in conflict and communication issues. Perhaps criticizing, demanding, and one or both of you not listening to the other. And maybe it's eroded as far as contempt, name-calling, and character assassination. The critical loop, I call it, critical loop, where conflict happens with a breakdown in communication, and then the criticism follows, and then the rejection, and withdrawal, and right on around a depression, which becomes a source of more conflict and more criticism, and on and on and on it circles. Round and round it goes where it stops, nobody knows. That's the rub, right? Right there. Where does it stop and why don't we know? Couples come to me and they are in this critical loop. And I can see the frustration. I can feel it. I I don't even have to be in the room with it. I can feel it coming through my computer screen as we're doing so much telehealth these days. And I can tell right away who wants to be there and who doesn't. It generally doesn't take a whole lot of thinking, intuition, or exploration for me to see that. In fact, most of the time I can tell from whomever is setting up the appointment. I'll hear from one partner, typically the wife, who tells me that two of them want marriage counseling. They're having problems. Generally, they they say with communication. Conflict resolution. I give her some options on times if I have availability, and then many times I don't hear anything for weeks, several weeks, which I find out later most often is the husband waffling, can't find time. Why do we have to do this? You're the one that needs help. Those kinds of arguments to her. And if she persists and then calls me back and then we have to redo the whole availability thing if there still is any. 
this doesn't always happen. There are couples who both of them generally want to dive into the work together. And this is, well, it's a plus, right, in being able to function as a team, the three of us, and I get somewhere easier, quicker, I guess, more efficient anyway. It's generally not long before I'm introduced to their critical loop. For many couples, they just don't trigger each other. But they have, both of them, these fine-tuned hair triggers. And they're treading on eggshells that are fragile, deep. And then, right in front of me, they're off, demonstrating their loop to me. And I let it go on for a while, generally. It can be frustrating or embarrassing for them to do this in front of a stranger because they don't know me that well yet. But I need to see it and hear it and feel it. Eventually, I'll interject and you know, raise my hand, sometimes my voice, raise my voice and ask them to stop. i got to get in there somehow. Or they stop on their own and look at me and they're ashamed I witnessed this and then they become all apologetic. I thank them for being so open, vulnerable. Let them know that this was an important thing for me to witness, this interaction. And, ensure, you know, reassure them that if all three of us put our heads and hearts together, we can, we can make some changes that will make this a lot easier. You know, I also let them know that it's going to take some time. There's no easy fix for this. But it'll be a journey, and this journey will be enlightening to them both. With patience and awareness, we can help this relationship evolve. Won't get fixed necessarily, but change in a positive way. One with the growth, personally, for each one of them. And together as a team, discovering and finding the we in the relationship. And that's what we want to do, right? Find the we. So, their journey begins. I like to frame this work as an exploration, a discovery, an adventure. Learning to be a we with curiosity and not dread. This discovery helps us to understand that this is not about communication or conflict. What they came in for is, it's not, the, it's not what it is. We come to realize that those are just the symptoms of what's going on. The source of the disconnect is fear of emotional disengagement. And this precipitates all of these demands and criticisms and arguments and silences and stonewalling and withdrawals. The source is a fear of emotional disengagement. Sue Johnson is the founder of Emotional Focus Therapy, wonderful author and, and researcher says it very well. Quote, 
Discord is almost always an unconscious protest against floating loose and an attempt to call and even force a partner back into emotional connection. Discord is almost always an unconscious protest against floating loose and an attempt to call and even force a partner back into the emotional connection. This unconscious protest brings on panic, right? That primal survival instinct of fight, fright, f- fight, freeze, or flight, I can say it. And this is not a place where any of us are able to regulate our emotions, right? We are in reactive mode. We are not regulated. We are firing on fear. The relationship is supposed to be right this balanced meeting place where negative emotions are regulated. We are innately set up to use our partners to help us find emotional balance when things are scary and distressing. It's 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 in our genes that we use our partners, the people we're in relationships with, to help us find emotional balance when we don't have it, when things are scary. It can be very troublesome when our partner is the source of the distress, too. Think about that. Talk about chaos. We want to share our emotions in the relationship in order to regulate the difficult ones, the difficult emotions. If we are triggering each other's bad feelings, there isn't going to be any regulation, right? Connection emotionally is not present, unfortunately, in many instances. It's long gone. So what is this connection? It's an attunement, right, of each other. Defined as the reciprocal exchange of sensitivities and awareness kind of clinical, critical definition, I guess. But, it, but it's right. It's a reciprocal exchange. And reciprocal is the key word here, right? Mutually sharing sensitivities, emotions, feelings, sharing them. And if one partner is not doing it, it's not mutual or sharing or reciprocal, right? It's, it's one way. And one way is not a connection. It's just me. And me is a lonely place. If we look back to the start of your relationship, what was there at the beginning? Was there this reciprocal exchange of sensitivities? Was that attunement there? And it's just kind of eroded over time, but it was there? Or was one partner not willing or able to share their sensitivities? Didn't know how. Never done it. It's years later, and if that partner hasn't discovered their own feelings and sensitivities by now, then the connection has been struggling from the start. And it's still struggling. Sue Johnson says it beautifully, right? Learning to connect with another is about learning to tune in to our emotions so that we know what we need from a partner 
and expressing those desires openly in a way that evokes sympathy and support from him or her. Wow, that's just perfect. Knowing what we need from a partner is the key here, right? And it's what I see in so many relationships I work with. One partner expressing their needs, the other partner unable to hear and or feel those needs, and not knowing what his or her needs are to reciprocate. When we share our needs with a partner, we want it to evoke a response, which you know it shows support in our need. We're looking for a response. And this support, this response that shows us support from our partner helps us balance our emotions, being able to stay in touch with them and not become flooded by them, as in the case of the fight, freeze, flight, um, panic, survival mode. It is at this point that we are able to tune into our partner and sensitively respond, right? Returning the support. If one partner has never learned how to feel or express their emotions, it's pretty darn impossible for him or her to know what they need emotionally from their partner, so there is no sharing and attunement, only a lonely partner not feeling heard. Sounds like a line in a song. And here we are in the critical loop, the anxious avoidant trap. One partner tries and tries from every angle to express his or her needs. The other partner gets defensive or critical. These reactions to each other become quicker and quicker to happen. Hair triggers firing away at each other. Eventually, one of the partners will just withdraw, give in. What's the use? My partner's not listening. And this very withdrawal, right, will trigger even more criticism or defensiveness. So on and on and on we go. Let's, let's take a break right now. We'll be back shortly, and uh, hopefully with some optimism, right? We'll go on. Hi, I'm J.D.K. Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. This is Rob Bates, and I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller, the show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob 
Bass. Tune in. Do what Rob Bass says. Take a listen to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. That's me. Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on KKNW. To find out more information, check out my website, stacyconnects.com, or text D-A-M-T-T to 55678. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. We're back with At The Root. I'm Greg Kuyper, and I want to let you know that I can be con- contacted via my website, kuypercounseling.com, where you can also find my blog and links to recordings of each of these broadcasts. This one will be up there tomorrow, and you can also find them as podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. I'm hoping you'll share them, and check me out on Facebook and Instagram, too. Kuyper Counseling. Remember, you can call into the show, too, 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven four two five three seven three five five two seven. Before the break, we were really diving into some broken relationship dynamics, and I just want to say they they don't have to stay broken. There's hope. It takes work, and you know I highly recommend work with a professional. How long it takes depends on the couple's willingness and determination, and. Certainly how far the relationship has deteriorated. But I want to reiterate, this is a journey, a lifelong journey. But where in the world do we start? This is a mess. Well, we start with creating a secure base to stand on and find our balance. And we do this before we start getting risky with new conversations or connections. We need that balance. Renewing this connection is something you do together. You have to help each other to keep that balance once you find it and then tune into each other. This is a dance, right? And a dance requires two people working through moves and getting better and becoming smoother. Think about the tango and how nuanced that is. And if one partner quits or stalls, there, there is no dance, right? As the dance becomes more natural, we learn more steps and we become smoother and finesse and we start taking risks, expanding the moves, expanding the steps. What you learn to do is move from harmony to disharmony, from connection to disconnection, and then back again. Repair and learn, repair and learn, repair and learn, growing together. I met with a couple I've been working with for a while last week, and they told me that I've been talking about them on the show. <laughs> and I received an email from another partner that I've been working with her and her husband, and she says, I know you've been talking about us on your show. Was I talking about them? I'll never tell. But this certainly tells me that our discussion is hitting home with folks, right? And I'm grateful for that because that's what I'm here for. That got me to thinking about introducing all you listeners to a couple having some relationship issues. Let me introduce you today to Charlotte and Steve. Are they a real couple and I've just changed the names? Or are they an amalgam of couples I've worked with or are working with now? Or am I making them up entirely? You'll never know. But as we work through their issues... I'm hoping we can all benefit. 
So initially, Charlotte emailed me through my website and asked for a phone consult, and we arranged a time to talk. She was very pleasant on the call, but also what I would call efficient and to the point. I got the impression she was calling me in a tight window of time from work. And that ended up being the case as she had left her home office to go out to her car and give me a call. I'm seeing a lot of that these days as people try to find privacy in their work-from-home environment. I see people in their cars, and we do sessions in their cars, and they're on their phone, and I'm watching them and listening to them, and they're watching me and listening to me. I've even done couple sessions, and they're in the front seat of their car. Sooner or later, this will change, and we can get back together out there. But that's the way that it is now. Where do I start? She said this to herself and, and to me. And then after a brief moment of brevity, we kind of laughed around, and she said, my husband and I are just not communicating. He's become very short with me, and I know he's stressed at work, but it just seems I have to tread so lightly when approaching him. And frankly, I'm buried at work too. And we're both working in our home with two kids here. I acknowledged how hard that must be and said something like, there sure is a lot of that going around. I'm not sure why I said that, but I must have felt it was a very therapist thing to say or something. She went on to let me know that her husband, Steve, wasn't on board for marriage counseling Hadn't been. But she had persisted, and he finally consented after she pointed out that things were getting worse, not better. He reluctantly agreed if I would set it up, she said. I don't want to get into it too much here. We're just not talking much, and when we do, we're arguing. So the two of us did our usually checking of schedules, and I let her know a couple spots I had available. They're generally few and far between these days, so I urged her to respond to me soon as they wouldn't last. She, of course, had to check with him. I didn't hear from her for over two weeks. And when she did call back, I had to let her know the two slots were not available any longer. She was disappointed as she had spent the two weeks cajoling him into picking one of the available times. I let her know that I thought a slot or two would be opening up in the next couple of weeks, and I gave her those days and times, and she right then just picked one and told me she'd make it work with him and his schedule. So eventually, over a month since the process started, we met via computer, like a Zoom call. Interestingly enough, they were both on their laptops in separate rooms of the same house. So right away, I asked them if they could gather around one laptop and sit together in front of me. You know, we're doing couples work here. With some shuffling and some grumbling on his part, they were able to do so. I think it irritated him quite a bit. When this sitting in different rooms thing happens, it's uh, certainly telling, if you know what I mean. So we started a little chit-chat. Steve was trying to act like he wanted to be there. And I learned from the intake forms that he was a managing supervisor and she was a software engineer at one of the mega tech firms we have here locally. 
I ask if each one would share with me a brief explanation of what they felt the issue was. I didn't give any more instruction than that. I just wanted to see what would happen. So she looked at him, and he motioned for her to go ahead, and so she told me that she couldn't bring anything up to him anymore without being criticized. She felt lonely, and she had come to the point of not wanting to tell him anything for fear of being attacked. Well, she used the wrong word there. As soon as she said the word attacked, he interrupted her. I do not attack you. Why do you always overreact? We talk about these things you bring up over and over and over, and it always ends up the same. I give in, and you get what you want. And then she jumped in with, I never get what I want from this relationship. What do you mean? You never get what you want. All I do is cater to your every whim and listen to your insistent whining and complaining. You never listen. That is the whole point of this. There you go again with the superlatives. Never, never, never. I'm tired of it. Not realizing, of course, that he had used always three times in the last 30 seconds. She said, I'm tired of it too. Why don't you want to connect with me? Her voice broke, and she wiped a tear from the corner of her eye. He pursed his lips, shook his head, and looked down at his lap. And then he looked up at me and said, See, this is what it's like all the time. What are you going to do about it? Well, uh, certainly an interesting question for me, and uh, one I couldn't remember having been asked before. So we're starting to run out of time here today, so we'll look at how that challenge to me gets, gets handled next week, and we'll learn more about Charlotte and Steve and their critical loop and what we do to address it, how we work this out together. So be sure to check me out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and visit my website for recordings of these broadcasts. And while there, please check out my blog. And remember, everyone, as we're Going forward this week and every week, stay aware out there. See you next week.